Now, just so you're aware, Daniel had no idea we were doing this. Uh, this is now the third service, so the cat's out of the bag. Um, but the 815 service, he had no clue that it was coming. And it's one of those things, when we have an opportunity to celebrate someone who does not like to be celebrated and is incredibly uncomfortable with the extra attention, it just makes it so much more of a joy to celebrate that. So um, again, you probably saw the apple fritters out in the lobby. Uh, those are his favorite donuts from Mary Lou. And so hopefully you enjoy that. And if there is extra, please take them home. Um, Afterwards, um, and also, again, where there'll be a couple more elements throughout the rest of the service where we get to celebrate him. And 10 years for a pastor to serve in a place is a big deal. A lot of times pastors move and they, they bounce around from different places. So to have his consistent leadership over the last 10 years has just been such a blessing. And we just wanted to take today as a way to say thank you to him, to Emily, and to his family. And so there'll be a couple other elements throughout the rest of our service. But we just wanted to show our gratitude for them and their service here and look forward to years to come. So on that theme of gratitude, let's go ahead and transition now into our time of teaching for this morning. And for this morning, I wanna start by telling a story. It was about 10 years ago and I was uh, on a missions trip in Haiti. And on this missions trip, the goal of it was primarily to build two homes for families. And these homes were made of cinder block bricks. And the way that you would do it is you would, you would carry them up. This particular house was in the, in the hills. And so because of that, we had to drive this rickety old truck all the way up. And then once we were there, um, we had to unload it. But this particular site, we couldn't back the truck all the way up to the work site. So we had to get like an assembly line going. We realized that was the quickest way to unload all of this block in order that we could start constructing this house. Well, one of the things when you go to build a house in one of these communities, one of the things you realize is the community comes out to help. And part of that community was little kids. And so while, while we were building this house, there were kids running around everywhere. And in particular, there was this one little Haitian boy that for some reason decided he was going to be my buddy for the day. So he came up right up next to me and he spent the whole day working with me. And he'd try to lift the bricks. If I was, trying to, I was trying to include him as much as I could. But he also started playing this game. And this game was, he'd point to my hat. I'd take off this old, nasty Yankees hat. And I'd give it to him. And he'd go and he'd run and he'd wear it. And then he'd bring it back. And he'd put it on top of my head. And we did this all day long. Now, a little thing with this hat is this hat had a lot of miles on it. I'd been on sev in several different countries with this hat. I had been on several different camping trips with good friends. This hat had miles and memories in it. So it was something that was important to me. It had good, again, good memories with it. We get to the end of the day and we're finishing up, we're loading up the truck. He comes up, gives me a hug, and then he points to my hat. And I have a choice at this moment. Do I give this kid my hat with all the memories and all the miles on it, or do I keep it for myself? Well, in a soft moment, I gave it to him. And he got this big grin on his face, and he, had, he goes and he dashes over to his buddies, and they're looking at this hat, and he is so thankful for this hat that I had given him. And he turns back and looks at me, and I'll never forget his smile. Again, we didn't speak the same language, but I could tell through his smile that he was so thankful and grateful for me giving him my old, dirty, nasty hat. And I will remember that smile until the day that I die. That was one of the highlights of that trip for me, 
was seeing the thankful heart that he had over a simple gift that I was able to give him. Today, we're going to talk about faith and gratitude. And we're going to continue in our story with Luke. So if you want to go to your Bibles, Luke chapter 17 is where we're going to be. And just as a brief reminder, as we're walking through the gospel of Luke, that Jesus right now is journeying to Jerusalem. So he's heading to Jerusalem, where he is eventually going to be arrested and eventually crucified. But what we're paying attention to right now is who he encounters along the way. And one of the things we've seen as he's encountered this, and one of our themes that we've had over this series, has been this idea of faith. And the definition that we have used is faith is hope in action. And so we're going to see that a little bit today. So go ahead and go with me to Luke chapter 17, and we are going to start in verse 11 today. Luke 17, verse 11. While traveling to Jerusalem, he passed, Jesus passed, between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered the village, ten men with leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and raised their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he told them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And while they were going, they were cleansed. But one of them, seeing that he was healed, returned with a loud voice and gave glory to God. He fell down at his feet, thanking him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus said, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Didn't any return to give glory to God except for this foreigner? And he told him, get up, go on your way. Your faith has saved you. First thing we see in this is there are ten men who have heard of Jesus' miracles. They've heard of the healing that he offers. And they stand at a distance. Now this would have been customary. Because they had leprosy, they are not able to get close to people. Because leprosy was so contagious that if you contracted this specific disease, you were told and you, were, you had to stay in isolation and at a distance to people. So they are doing what is customary and what is respectful and stay, staying at a distance. But that distance doesn't keep them from getting a hold of Jesus' attention. They cry out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Have you been there before? Have you been in that spot where out of desperation, all you can do is scream out to God, Master, Jesus, have mercy on me. The reality with these 10 men and this disease that they had is it forced them into isolation. Because of this disease, they were no longer allowed to be around their family. They were no longer allowed to work a job. So again, without working a job and that, more than likely, they were eating scraps of other people's food. No longer were they allowed to spend time with their friends. No longer were they allowed to go and worship in the synagogue. Their life was turned upside down. And that's just the social ramifications of that. The reality is also physically their bodies were falling apart. This was a nasty disease that eventually they would lose feeling in their extremities and eventually they would fall off and their body would literally decay. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us is what they cried. And if we are going to grow in our faith, 
A key component of that is faith in Jesus involves us asking him for what we need most. That is what's so beautiful about following Jesus and living life in his kingdom, is that for him, he doesn't desire for us to just stay at a distance and scream, Lord, have mercy. He desires for us to be close to him. He desires to have a relationship with us. He doesn't expect us to just pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and just push through it. No, he wants us to ask him for what we need. And when we do that, we start to experience him and we grow in our faith. Now, one of the things that can be a little tricky about this is that a lot of times then we fall into this trap of, well, we asked for it, God, why didn't you give it to me? And the reality is we are not going to ask or we're not going to get everything that we ask for. Part of the relationship is submitting to him and recognizing that he knows what is best, but he desires for us to ask. He wants to partner with us. He wants us to stand and to say, Lord, have mercy. This is what I need from you. What else can we get from this story? Next, we see that Jesus tells them to go and show themselves to the priests. Jesus doesn't heal them right away. He says, go and show yourself to the priest. The reason Jesus says this is all the way back in Leviticus. So if you turn your Bible all the way to the Old Testament, when God is setting up Israel and how they're going to operate as a nation, in Leviticus 13, he talks about how the priests are going to act specifically around skin diseases. They operated as the dermatologist of the day. And part of that was they would recognize what the skin disease was. There was a certain purification process that they had to go through and a period of time that they had to go through it. They would set that up. And then when the person was ready to come back, they would have to come and show themselves to the priest. And the priest would be the one who would say, you are clean. And so what Jesus is telling them is go, go show yourselves to the priest indicating to them that they will be cleaned. But when they left Jesus' presence, they were not healed. Now, as we think about this, for me, this would be really difficult. Because if here I am standing with Jesus and having the opportunity, knowing the healing that is possible, if, I, if he would just say it or if I'd be able to touch him or if he would lay his hands on me, I would not want to leave his presence until I was healed. But these 10 men had faith. And they had to trust what Jesus said he was going to do was actually going to happen. So they had to step out in faith, trusting that. If we are going to build up our faith, the same is true. We need to trust Jesus. And imagine with me the scene for a second. Again, we read that they are healed along the way. So for one of the things I love about Scripture is being able to wonder a little bit. So I kind of wonder, was it something that happened right away at the moment where all 10 of them fully restored? As they were going, was one man's hand all of a sudden starting to come back and, and the, the disease was starting to leave and then another man's foot? I don't know. But we see that they had to trust him and along the way they were cleansed. Now this reminds me of another story that Luke told, tells us in Acts. In Acts chapter 9, Luke tells us a story about the Apostle Paul. Now, at this point, his name is Saul, and he is a Pharisee. He's a religious leader at this time who is going around persecuting the church. 
or that are followers of Jesus because they were not obeying what the law was supposed to say. And so he's going around persecuting and killing Christians. So his mission as he travels to Damascus in Acts chapter 9 is to go there to continue to persecute the church. And on his way, he encounters the risen Jesus. And Jesus says to him, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And at that point, he blinds him and tells him to continue on your way to Damascus because I have something I want to show you. And I've always wondered, what was that journey like for Paul? As he's journeying to Damascus, he doesn't know what God's plan for for him is yet. As he journeys towards Damascus, when he first left, he was going, leading a charge with a specific purpose and agenda. And now that agenda has changed. And his posture has changed as well. Instead of being a leader, now he's being led by the very people that he was leading. Blind, helpless. It causes him to pray, to fast from food and for water for three days until God shares what his purpose and his mission is going to be. So many times I think that that reality is the same for us that when we go through a difficult time, we just want healing and restoration. We just want to be healed. We just want the tough and the rough times to be over. And we miss out what's available for us along the way. We miss out what's available for us in the journey. Because we're so focused on things being here. There's transformation that's available. But for us, we're so focused. I've been there. And so for us, if we are going to grow in our faith, one of the ways that we can do this is pay attention to what God is doing in our dailies, not just focus on the end result. What is God doing in your day-to-day life? How is he showing up? Are you looking for him to show up? He desires to walk with us daily. And it's when we pay attention to the things that happen to us daily, then it will help build our confidence in who he is. And when and if that thing that we have been praying for is resolved, we're able to enjoy it more because we paid attention to the transformation that was available along the journey. Just as these 10 men were able to experience that along the way. The next thing we see this is that all of them were healed, all 10 of them. And all of them obeyed what Jesus told them to do. And out of that obedience, they were healed. Now, if I had more time today, I would love to talk about the importance of obedience in following Jesus. But I don't have time for that. So what I would like to challenge you to do is from from now on, whenever you're reading the scriptures, Old Testament, Psalm, Proverbs, New Testament, Gospels, letters, go through and just circle whenever it talks about obeying everything that the Lord commanded. And that's something that for us in our day and time, we don't like to really talk about obedience. We want to do things the way that we want to do them. But part of following Jesus is obeying him and obeying what he's asked us to do. We see this in these men. They obeyed what he said. He said, go see the priests. They obeyed and they were healed. And the reason obedience is key is obedience requires a willingness to submit. 
Faith in Jesus requires us to submit to him as Lord of our life. So for us, if we're going to grow in our faith, obedience to what he said, being okay with that submission is going to help us grow in our faith. We see that they all obeyed and they were all healed. And praise God for that. These these men's lives were changed for the good. They could go back home and see their family. They could go back to work again. They could be a part of the community again. They could go and worship in the synagogue again. Praise God, they were physically healed. But look what happens. Only one of the ten goes back to say thank you. Now, before we start throwing stones, let's put ourselves in the story here a little bit. If you had been isolated for those, from those that you loved most, if your life had been turned upside down in this way, and all of a sudden you are fully restored and fully healed, more than likely out of that excitement, you may forget to go back and thank God. Have you been there? That when you've walked through a tough season, you're so thankful and grateful to be out of it that you forget to go back to thank the person that you need to be grateful for. I've been there. And I think for all of us, this is why if we are going to continue to grow in our faith, a key component that we see from this story is gratitude and thankfulness is a key component to showing God that we are thankful for what he has done in our life. See one man come back and say thank you. If we think about it, gratitude for us should be a key component of our faith. It should be our first response to him. Because of his sacrifice for us, our sins are forgiven in the past, currently, and in the future. We are able to walk in freedom because of his sacrifice for us. And that should lead us to an immense amount of gratitude. That should ground us in gratitude so that we are able to be grateful for other things around us. For example, today. We're able to be grateful for the service that Daniel and Emily have had here over the last 10 years. And we can gratefully look forward to the years to come. Why can we be grateful? Because it starts being grateful in a heart posture, being grateful for what the Lord has done for us. And as Daniel said there in that closing video that he didn't know what he was saying thank you for, let's make it about God. When we make our gratitude and our thanks based in and grounded in God and in Jesus, It's at that point then that we can be grateful for the things that are around us. A consistent posture of gratitude and thanks. Finally, we see that Jesus tells the Samaritan man, which we've talked about before. Remember, Samaritans were considered less than by the Jewish people. They were quote-unquote half-breeds is what they would call them because they were part Jewish but also part Gentile. And so they weren't fully considered in to be the people of God. So again, the fact that the Samaritan is the one who comes back and says thank you is a radical part of this story. And we see that he comes back and he says thank you. And Jesus says your faith has healed you or saved you. Your faith has saved you. Now, Jesus has said this several times on his journey to Jerusalem. We, see it, we saw it with the centurion. We saw it with the woman who washed his feet with her hair. 
And this is a radical statement because what Jesus is saying here is their faith not only saved them physically, but also saved him spiritually. Now, we don't know about the other, ten, the other nine men and where their heart was, but they know that their physical needs were fixed. But here with this man, we see not only was his physical needs healed, but because his physical needs were healed, then his heart was healed. But there's an important distinction here that I want us to pay attention to. Jesus, in all of the Gospels, in all of the miracles that he did, he did not ever change someone's heart. He never healed their heart. He would heal their physical ailments. He would help, help them out in their difficult circumstances. But it was up to the person to decide if their physical changes were going to affect their spiritual changes. And so for Jesus here, we see with this man that not only has he physically been healed, but he has also spiritually been healed and saved. And so for us, as we think about this, as we move, as, as we try to picture ourselves in the story, it's important for us to see what Jesus is doing here. So when he, when he tells this man, as he's down worshiping, thanking him at his feet, he tells him to get up. And that word that he says, get up, the early Christians would have recognized as a similar word used for resurrection life. So what he is telling this man is, get up, rise up to a new life. We see this similarly when we look at the life um, of the prodigal son, the story that we just talked, that we mentioned a little bit last week. That when the son returns home to the father, he enters and comes back to a new life with him. And right now, Jesus is telling this man to get up and to walk in new life. Jesus can come and heal some of our physical ailments. But are we going to allow the physical changes to make a heart change for us? As I finish today, I'd like to invite everyone to pause for a moment and think about where you find yourself in this story. Today, do you need to boldly ask God to do something in faith? Is there something going on in your life right now that boldly you need to just ask God, God, have mercy on me. I need you to come through. Maybe for you, you've been in that spot. And for you, it's starting to... A step for you to take today is to take a step of faith, to be obedient, to trust that he has your best intentions in mind, even if the answer is not the answer you want, but you trust him with it. Maybe for you, you've seen God's goodness and his faithfulness in your life. And because you've seen his goodness and his faithfulness in your life today, is an opportunity for you to respond to him. Respond to him in worship. Respond to him by saying thank you through song. So here in just a few moments, the band is going to come out and is going to lead us in three songs. During these three songs, I encourage you to take an honest assessment of where your heart is. 
What is God inviting you to? Is he inviting you to pray bold prayers? Is he inviting you to trust him along the journey of transformation? Or are you in a place now where you just need to celebrate him and say thank you for all that he has done? Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We are thankful that you desire for us to be in relationship with you. That you desire for us to not just stay where we're at, but you, des- you want us to tell you what we need. Father, we want to trust you with that. We want to be able to step out in faith like we see these 10 men step out in faith. Trusting and believing that you will do everything that you say that you're going to do. Father God, we want to submit our lives to you as difficult as that can be at times, Lord. That is our hope, that is our desire, is to submit what you want for us. Submit to that. And Father, we want to be better at celebrating We want to be better at saying thank you and showing gratitude. So now, as we prepare to worship, Father, I pray that our worship would be be that, that you would hear out of our lips a posture and a heart of gratitude for all that you have done for us, for how much you love us, for how much you care for us, for how much you desire for us to change and to be the person that you have created us to be. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.